0: This episode of Ben the Knee is brought to you by our Bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Sir Jimmy of House Nuts, Master of the Web, Lady Dawn of House Wright, Sir Chris of House Farber, Lady Tracy of House Faw, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys and Lady of Jameson, Lord John of House Fry, Lady Juliana of House Stradley, Sir David of House Fraser, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry, Lady Madeline of House Fritzel. Lady Adrian of House Dillard, Lady Ashley of House Gardner, Lady Lismolin of House Morales. This episode of
1: Bend the Knee is protected by Sir Ryan of House Turbush, Lady Sarah the Unraveler.
0: Our current champion is Lady Kira of House Arnold. Our current Master of Coin is Lord Jason of House Ross, Squire to Sir Matt, Lady Betsy of House Hudson.
1: Hello and welcome to Ben the Knee, a Song of Ice and
0: Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we're into Davos 3 of A Clash of Kings and in our, in our raven we'll be talking about the Lannisters. I'm so used to saying mm-hmm. maester As- study. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes we do a maester study, sometimes we just do
1: a raven, you know, and that's kind of... Mixing it up well, on you guys. That's how it goes, but... Mixing it up a little bit, yeah. Uh, just a question. I was kind of thinking about when uh, I was reading this chapter, and we were sort of, sort of thinking about Tywin. Really, even though even though it's it's a Davos chapter, but the next chapter is a Tyrion chapter, and a lot of this has to do with the Battle of the Blackwater has has begun. We're going to be talking a little bit about wildfire. Are the Lannisters as smart as we think they are? I mean sort of collectively that's what we'll be <laughs> that's sort of what we'll be what we'll be talking about uh so kind of so kind of interesting um so as, uh how's it going man any news you got anything anything <clears throat> going on you and i are both getting ready to go on vacations to opposite parts of the world so yeah. uh yeah yeah taking yes. a little, little summer little summer break for about about two weeks
0: Yeah, we're going to be taking, so uh, we'll get this this episode up for you guys, and then we'll be taking about two weeks off, Uh, might be two and a half, just depending on when we get back and get back in the groove of of recording. We actually just found out that we're going to be crossing, pat like Matt will be here for one day, where in which I will still be here, so we're going to try to hang out that evening. And then I'm departing the country, Uh, everyone over on our Zoom hangout was wishing me luck and, you know, with all the sharks and alligators and snakes and the rainforest and God, I just feel like I'm going to be in the, in the freaking jungle book. You know, it's like a freaking... Well, hey, maybe, man. Uh-huh. The bare necessities. The ba- <laughs> I don't need to watch that movie before I get down there. Like, how did, how did Mowgli survive up in here? Um, but anyways, yeah, we're going to be having just a couple of weeks off. When we come back, though, we got some cool and fun, exciting uh, direction. Like some cool stuff on Apple Podcasts, some cool things with like exclusive content. We've actually, Matt started to kind of figure all of that out and just gave me the rundown on it. I'm super excited, and here's the thing. We actually just had that Zoom chat, uh, what was that, Thursday, with the with the Bannerman, and I, and I had, I think by the end of that, 10 tabs pulled up with 10 different uh, thoughts that I had not thought about, you know, like things in A Song of Ice and Fire theories and videos and uh, green dreams and musings and so on. I, that was one of the most productive uh, Bannerman hangouts we've ever had. It's probably because I wasn't drinking a Corona, probably, I don't know. You know. Yes, were you
1: not <laughs> drinking Mike Clara Corona during that? No, I was just doing <laughs> seltzer. <clears throat> I been... was just,
0: yeah, I was trying to. Oh you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah.
1: Corona, the Corona is—you is, is, drink the Corona seltzer. It's not like you're drinking a Corona beer.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, 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 it's weak sauce, as everyone knows. It's just weak sauce. So you know, but um, no, that was fun, and I'm I'm looking forward to that when we get back in July. Like I we said, we're going to do that, and we're going to have. I saw a couple other Bannerman signed up over on Patreon, we appreciate that, and we'll let you guys know. I think we're about mid, somewhere before Gen, uh, July. Matt and I gotta kinda pencil down when's a good time, like a Friday or Saturday for our next July mm-hmm. kind of hangout, and we'll definitely be doing one in August and and, and moving forward, because Ez is not going back to work, guys, okay? I mean, I'm going back to work in a different way, all right? I'm, I'm gonna be a content creator, and right. I'm gonna substitute, teach, and do some tutoring here and there, but I am super stoked for, I have all this tutoring and things I'm getting done right now. Still giving the ACT. I probably gave four ACTs last week. And I am so. Like, it's a good paying, like, little side gig. Done. But let me tell you, I was like, I am done. Because it's not like you can really do anything. Lord, I can't, like. Mind. Yeah, I can't bring in, like, uh, stuff to work on on the side or whatever. I mean, it's the freaking ACT. These kids will get. You, you, you can't do st- stuff like that. So you got to go in. You got to take it serious. Um, and. It's, it's just a, it eats up a lot of your time, but I am, I am super stoked for all of that as we <clears throat> move into the end of the summer, midsummer and so on. And we'll be looking at cons too. I think when I come back from my trip and after July's over, I'm going to start looking at, at maybe conventions or different things and start telling you guys, if I'm able to, to attend one of those and maybe make a trip out West to see Sir Matt, I think it's, I think it's mm-hmm. long overdue. Hey man, come on out. Yeah. Come on out. So an next room, up. you know, just hanging out. Yeah, run it by Lady Teresa, and make sure there's, you know, some keto-friendly food over there and we're good to go. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely,
1: man. Absolutely. Yeah. So, no, man. Uh yeah, same. I've been good. Getting ready to go on vacation. I'm going back to Ohio just to visit family for a week and a half, light off some fireworks, possibly legally. Uh but, you know, uh sometimes it's how you gotta do it. Okay? Uh it's just
0: Yeah. Just
1: it's just it's yeah, it's it's just what we do. So, um but hey, you know what? Speaking of fireworks, that's what we're going to be talking about today cuz there's a lot of fireworks going off in this chapter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um it's kind of a <clears throat> this chapter is pretty it's it's a longer one. We said last couple of weeks were kind of short. Uh there's there's a lot of fire. There's a lot of explosions and it it sucks. You know, like yeah. you, you you know when you're first reading this, let me just say this real quick. When you're first reading this, and you're thinking, oh, freaking Cersei, you're done. You're done, right? This is it. Davos has got you. This is whole new ep- epic arc with Stannis. And before you know what's going to happen, you're just like, this is sick. They're coming in. But then as you read it a second time, you're like, the chain. I mean, you, you know that stuff is there, but you're just sort of like, who's going to win? I, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't see it coming when I first read it. But I didn't really see it coming. I didn't expect them to. I knew they'd be facing wildfire. I knew the chain would be a thing. But really, Sir Matt, I thought that, I thought Stannis had him. I thought Stannis was going to be able to prevail. He has the Red Witch. And that's the thing. You forget that Melisandre is, it's mentioned just briefly. Uh, it's mentioned a couple of times, I guess, in this chapter. But that's a big freaking deal. You know, you want some real fireworks? And They, they should have brought her. They talk, yeah, yeah. And then we'll
1: get to that. But they talk about how, uh, you know, it's the banner they said they should have been flying robert's banner instead and it's really actually that this is actually an interesting chapter um because i think you know you, you think we think about the battle as one sort of event i think obviously i think the, the 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 television show obviously did a really good job of sort of portraying it um but you you miss out on all the little like inner thoughts of it and everything because it's all just sort of happening and you're um the way they kind of go back and forth between like davos and Tyrion looking and you know um so it's just just stuff that the the book, this is where it makes the, the chapter great because you get these expanded thoughts on it. Um, let's just go ahead and, and dive, dive in here. Uh, yeah. No pun intended, because that's what we're going to be doing. We're going <laughs> to be diving in into the water, right? um davos's ship black betha is the second line on the right as stannis's great fleet under the command of sir Imory florent enters blackwater bay he sees that the city defenders have few enough ships but the shore is well fortified and dozens of catapults and archers line the walls of the city davos is glad to know that stannis sent melisandre back to dragonstone because the king feared the common folk would see it as the sorceress who won the battle As they pass two winch towers on either side of the headwaters of the channel entering Blackwater Rush, Davos fears a chain boom, which he sees exists but is not raised. The old sailor is curious, but there is little time to consider what it means. Fighting breaks out and despite his inexperience, Sir Emery's battle plans seem to be working well until the barge with the wildfire in it explodes. The channel turns into a rain uh, ruin of hundreds of ships, many burning from the unquenchable green liquid. Davos goes overboard as hundreds of men on both sides die screaming in the green blaze as the mass of ships and debris begin to float back out toward the bay and Davos hopes he can reach the open sea. He sees the great chain boom raised closing off Blackwater Rush and turning its mouth into the mouth of hell. Yeah. So um you know, I I have some, I have some just sort. Of, let me. I'm gonna read these quotes and then we'll just yeah. kind of start going through going through the yeah. chapter, um, because so much of this is Davos realizing the way he would sort of do things differently, and he's criticized at, at at one point, right? Like, oh, is this the the knight who bought his you know who bought his knighthood with an onion? It's like uh, he did a great deed. Yeah, uh, he did. He like literally <laughs> say, Stannis wouldn't be here if it weren't for Davos. <laughs> okay, right. so. You know, um, you know, had he been an admiral, he might have done it differently. Um, and then, you know, he's thinking about how some of these smugglers and some of these people that he's got to come aren't, he thinks they should be sort of leading the charge. They're more experienced. They're better. They're better at, you know, yep, at, at naval commanders and as, and as, as naval, naval command and things like that, you know, smugglers do not sound war horns and raise banners. When they smell danger, they raise sail and run before the wind. Um, You know, then he's seeing the chain. The dwarf had been busy building some of those boom to close off the mouth of the river, though the fishermen differed as to who um, as to whether the work had been completed or not. He found himself wishing it had. Uh, the flamboyant Lysini princeling who had not pleased to be assigned the rear guard, but it was clear that Sir Emery trusted him no more than Stannis did. Too many complaints and too much talk of the gold he was owed. Davos was sorry, nonetheless. Sal- Salador Sand was a resourceful old pilot, and his crew were born seamen. Fearless in a fight, they were wasted in the rear. You know, see, Davos is thinking about, you know, this should have been listening to Davos. Yeah. Always, you should pretty much always listen to Davos. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, uh, I found this kind of interesting. Another quote here with a grinding, splintering, tearing crash, swordfish split off the rotted hulk, the rotted hulk asunder. She burst like an overripe fruit, but no fruit had ever screamed that shattering wooden scream. Uh, and I just found that kind of interesting because, um, I have a picture in our doc as you can look at of Tyrion holding the, the little cask Mm -hmm. of of wildfire the little bottle of wildfire and it sort of looks like uh you know a fruit um the way he's the way he's kind of hoping so i don't know if that was something Gurr was thinking about when he was he was writing it but yeah i mean so so this chapter um it's the beginning it's really the sort of the beginning of the battle of of the Blackwater, and we're almost immediately seeing that davos seems to know a lot more about what he's doing than like Sir Emery Florent and some of the other guys who are sort of leading the battle.
0: Yeah. I, I thought the same thing. I mean, <clears throat> it's at one point he says it's, uh, I, you, you mentioned it. He said, perhaps they should send a few scouting ships ahead. And let me tell you right now, if Davos would have been in charge of that small unit, s- trying to smuggle or trying to slip in there quietly under, you know, like cloaked in some way, he would have made the same observations that he made uh, in the battle, but he would have been been able to return and let them know and think about and reflect on the chain, uh, like 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 some of the ships that are in the harbor. Like, where are some of the big warships? Why have they moved them? Like their prize possessions? Well, because they don't want them sitting in that bay, uh, or uh, from the bay up into the river, and to you know get like, <clears throat> wildfired. Like it's it's crazy. He actually has a really good thought but he's scolded and he's you know demeaned a little bit because of his lack of experience this guy's a freaking smuggler this is like like i don't know it just it always seems like yes you should listen to davos Like there's always this time where he's a voice of reason or like uh, I, I don't know Emery's just so uh ready to go and even says this everyone was kind of itching for this battle and they're just headlong running right into this freaking trap and Davos sees it. He's he's we're, we're hinting at all these different things. And like you said, Salador is back there. He's a crafty pirate who would have said, Hey, hold on a second. Let's split up here. You know, like the, the chain's there. Let's go figure right. this thing out. Because they could have actually have gone to the coast and possibly done something to attack that chain or um you know, like like gotten rid of it or something. Who knows what they would have came up with, but he's wasted in the back and Davos is wondering why they didn't raise the chain because it almost
1: seems like it would be do you it would be smarter to sort of have the chain raised from the get-go because then it forces your ships right to go a specific a specific route right because if you raise the chain you know the Davos is kind of thinking this if you raise the chain once the ships get in you basically block their retreat or you, or you sort of cause them to sort of to sort of split up. But it would it would almost be better, at least I think, have the chain raised from the get-go, and then it forces them to to have to go into one direction, which is actually what Tyrion wants. He does want them to go in one direction. He wants them all in, and then he's gonna blow the whole thing to smithereens. So I mean, Tyrion is smart, but that's what that's what sort of Davos is 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 thinking is that you would think, oh, hey, you're gonna have this chain raised forces us one way. He also begins to see um, as you said, some of the ships. He's like, where's King Robert's, you know, uh Liana, right? That was like his prized ship. Yep. Where's some of these other ships that should be here, sort of mm-hmm. leading the charge against us?
0: Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and that's that's a big uh, he he felt like it was a trap. He felt like well, okay, actually a couple things, right? So this is a river and you're trying to, you know, you're they've right. come in the bay and then they're eventually going down the Blackwater. And, and he talks about really cool stuff, like the current being against them and all these different things. Uh, but they had them outnumbered and they knew they had them outnumbered. And so you're looking for that for, for King's landing to respond with, with everything that they have to try to slow this assault. You know what I mean? You would expect them to do that when you don't see those ships right away. Something smells fishy. It's a trap. Right Admiral Akbar yeah. would have called this out from a mile away, like he would have <laughs> never like <laughs> so i mean it's 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 crazy, one of the other things too is, and I think I don't know if Davos warned them about this or if it's just a notation that he made along the way, but he says, okay, the fleet is so big, but it's actually we can't outflank them the way you would in open sea like in an open sea, he could have outflanked and pushed the enemy together, but instead they're bound by the shoreline and they're they're bottlenecked, and you don't need as many ships to really just kind of you know halt their progress for a little bit while the other ships are in, are behind you know, so that was an interesting note because it's not like it's open open sea it is confined, so
1: yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, you're right um and then obviously you know the the big thing comes when suddenly. Everything just starts to explode, right? Some fighting, some fighting starts to happen. And then the next, and then the next thing, you know, the barge, right? This barge is hit with wildfire and explodes. And then it, it I mean, I don't know that they say exactly how many men, just hundreds of men, but I mean, it takes out a sizable portion of Stannis's fleet and Stannis still just pushes forward.
0: Yeah. Which is what I, will
1: happen. I mean Davos we see Davos here as Davos kind of jumps in. We kind of jumping ahead here, right? Because Davos basically goes overboard and then he'll he actually sort of wakes up afterwards, right? And he's mm-hmm. saved by Salador Sand,
0: right? Sa- yeah. saved by him. And, that, and that's the, the big daughter, irony. He's like, he's
1: like he's like on a rock. He doesn't really see much of the battle after this, yeah.
0: Yeah, that that is um that's what's ironic. It's mentioned several times that key was held up in the in the rear, your most seasoned uh, your your pirate, this seasoned sailors and things like that. And they are the ones who are there in case there's like, you know, some force out there from King's landing or whatever, uh, who's going to sweep around and take them from the rear. And you leave Salador out there. I think they just, it was a pride thing. Um, when it comes down to Emery Florent, I think they all wanted, they thought they were so sure of victory that instead of, uh, they just felt like they had overwhelming numbers. It almost is like there's a shift where Renly thinks he's so prideful. He can't be stopped. Nothing can stop him. He, he outnumbers Stannis. And that has all shifted now to some of – like some of that pride that was in Renly's camp is shifted over to Stannis's camp now in, in the form of Emery Florent, who just rushes in and they move Sal uh, – Sal, I always say his name wrong. Sal, Salador? Salador San? Yeah.
1: Sal, Salador, Salador San, yeah.
0: Yeah, to, to the back. And yeah, it's it's just a big mistake. Uh, and it's because they want all that glory that comes with this battle. Uh, Davos mentions, it's like his sons. I forget whether it was Dale or, or Allard or one of them who talks about being out on the flank there and being in kind of a vulnerable vulnerable position was a, a position of honor. And Davos just saw it as death. You know, he's like, ah, it's you're more likely to get killed out there. And he's like, ah, but I'm, I'm, his sons looked at him and they were almost like ashamed that their dad says that. Uh, but to him, he's a father and a smuggler, you know, and so he's thinking about his sons being out there in a really—it's like being a part of the van, you know, but being being in the van uh, guard of of an army moving forward. It's supposed to be a position of honor, and you're leading the charge or whatever. But it's also where you're most likely to get killed, right out the gate. So, that's just something yeah. else to kind of think about. Um,
1: yeah. So, yeah, another another sort of uh, point of this of this chapter is that uh, we keep hearing Davos sort of grabbing for his you know he's got that the little pouch around him right with his, his finger bones that he always sort of feels for good luck I and mean, that's something he's doing throughout this entire chapter um some pretty cool comments here i think this is really good i'd I love to go back to the, like, as i said that reddit reread just to see what people were talking about well before the show uh came out It says from eight years ago, great, uh, great chapter. I always enjoyed a Davos POV. It's funny. The first read through, I was happy to see Tyrion's plan working out as Stannis fleet got demolished. Yeah, as I reread, I found myself wishing they had listened to Davos. Um, They would have won the war. He says, this chapter illustrates why Gura takes so long to write books. The attention to detail is beyond amazing. The name of the ship's descriptions of flying stones and bolts, the cries, connections to other characters and events, both friend and foe, everything. I don't know how he keeps track of it all. And you get the best of both worlds. The outward description of the battle and inner monologue describing the horrible tactics and Davos's thoughts and feelings.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is it is <clears throat> this champ the champ can't even talk today. This chapter is a great <laughs> example, sorry, uh of of like what George is dealing with and, and how skilled he is as a writer. That's a really good good comment because I was even thinking, I mean, George has me going back and, and some of the ship names here, you're thinking like when he talks about I think it's like um one of the ships' name Alison. Queen Alison or whatever? Queen Alice yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it says that she was trapped between two Lannisters and it made me like two Lannister ships. And I thought to myself, is this like some connection to history? Is there some like, like, did this happen in some way? So that sent me down a rabbit hole for a little bit, just trying to see if he was making any of those, those connections. But yeah, it's like, it's so intricate and there's these little tiny, uh, like the internal thoughts of Davos plus the action that's happening, plus just davos reflecting back on what happened prior to them sailing in here and and then everything that we know already as the reader it builds up so much suspense and dramatic irony and everything that it's just Mm -hmm. kind of an overwhelming uh chapter but it's great and it's action-packed and it's and it's awesome and it's that barge you know like right there at the end there's this there's this barge drifting through leaking out uh the wildfire and davos is just like damn we're done Yeah. You know, it's also it's also interesting
1: uh, because it's not until like a Feast for Crows and a Dance of Dragons where George will start to give you chapters from like not necessarily random people, but just people who are not sort of our main, main characters. Right. Um, And so one of the things we've talked about is the importance of who he picks for his POV in terms of battles. Who do you pick? Right. Because you, you want to tell this whole story and you're going to go back and you're going to go back and forth You know, on television. You can kind of focus on everybody. You can go back and forth. And I think that's probably the easiest portion to sort of pull together to do sort of these ep- to do television episodes for um, It's one of the things we've talked about with why we think wins is taking so long. Let's just for just for total sake of argument, say that the, the battle at Winterfell is going to go the exact same way. Who do you choose? Who yeah. who do you choose to have as your point of view characters and why? Right, mm-hmm. you know, like take let's just for for sake of argument that that final scene with the Night King, right, where um, Arya's rushing and and Theon is going to go get killed and Bran is sitting there. I mean, just who do you choose there and why? Because the 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 purpose of picking that specific character to give you their point of view, change totally changes the way it's told in in a story. And so here we have the Battle of the Blackwater starting with Sansa, right? And I think that's interesting. You start with her inside, like, and everyone's scared, and they're all huddling together and praying. Then we immediately go to Davos. Instead of going to Tyrion, which is the next chapter, next you could step, go yeah. to Tyrion first, and you get, and you don't necessarily, you know that all of these ships are coming, and it's like, yes, my plan worked, and Tyrion's, you get, you get Tyrion sitting there and saying like now you know like now blow it now type of a thing as opposed you get it from Davos's side which is the receiving end of this of of this of this battle that's where you're going and so that is probably a reason why it takes so long because it's once you make the choice to have this portion of the story you want told through this person's eyes it changes everything
0: yeah that's a really good point because if you think about um the, our our current batch of chapters here. Like next, when you go to Tyrion, I, I think as a reader, you're thinking, "Oh, okay." I thought Stannis like like me. Okay, I'll just stick my, myself right. I'm thinking Stannis has got this. Okay, he's this really hard guy. He's got Melisandre. He's now got Renly's forces. You know, it's it's whatever. He's 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 gonna sweep in here, and this is gonna be epic. Then he doesn't, and then you go to Tyrion, you're thinking, "All right, well, fudge." Tyrion wins. Tyrion's got this. Like it's it's in the back no now Tyrion is in peril now Tyrion is like going out there later yeah. on and you're like holy it's such a roller coaster that you're like wait what's happening with the King's garden we'll get to all that kind of stuff later but I mean holy smokes it's some it's a it's an epic ending and you know one thing that battle of Winterfell scene that you're talking about well you know you can't show every point of view and get every person's kind of you have to decide whose internal monologue or thoughts do you want to have. Like Sansa is there with Cersei, so you get Sansa's thoughts, not Cersei's. You see her dialogue between the right. Kingsguard coming in and out. So that's a really interesting and difficult choice, I think, for the author to make. And as he gets closer to Winterfell, prior to him writing those those chapters, he has to say, "All right, who does it? Who do I not need to hear their internal?" thoughts, that thought process. And I just need to hear their, I mean, you can always have a character speak their thoughts and, and, and do all that, which is, which is fine too. So there's, there's some, there's some room, but yeah, I think it's why it takes so freaking long to write something like this, uh, to, to do a POV, you know, um, story. Right. Yeah, especially cuz when you bring
1: another character in like say say you know like let's just say Arya and the Hound for example. Well, all of you get to see stuff about the Hound and you get a we we learn more about him when he's telling, you know, when, when he's telling people about how about how he got his scars, right? You know, here's here's why here's what happened my little brother burnt me and all this stuff. But you get you know you you're still told that these scenes through like Sansa, Arya, whoever's eyes and but you know like you go back to the first time they meet and it's it's Sansa, right? And Sansa and the Hound is telling her about what happened. Um, you know it'll be like Sansa could see his face, you know, what grimace as he talked or whatever. So you get to see like this is troubling for him, but it's different than if it's told through us through the Hound's eyes. In which, you know, then you get that internal monologue of he, you know, hate reflect, he hated to reflect upon this moment or whatever. So it's it's totally different. It's totally different. And so here with a battle, really the one of the first big battles, because um, we had a little bit really actually, I mean, there's been a couple smaller skirmishes, but nothing to this scale yet that we've seen and nothing that we've seen through multiple people's eyes. So... Yeah, it is. It is interesting that we go to Davos. It is. It, it's like a back and forth because you start with Sansa, we're screwed, right? Yeah. Illyn Payne's gonna kill us all. Illyn Payne's gonna take care of uh, kill us all, right? Yeah. uh Then we go to Davos. We got a big fleet. We're going strong. Now our ship. Now we're in disarray. We all of our ships just got blown up
0: by wildfire. And then we go to Tyrion. And Stannis
1: still almost wins.
0: Yeah, I know. I know, which is the cool. That's the cool thing, and and we we think, you know, I've heard people talk about Stannis, and is he a really good battle commander? Is he is he not? I think he is, but I think it's like he's just like the 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 he's pulled in so many different directions, like his his wife with Melisandre, and just a lot, like trying to keep people uh his bannerman loyal and fighting for him and they didn't want to choose him to begin with he's just got a lot of other issues that are going on but yeah he still almost kind of pulls this off and we'll talk about it i think at the end of this episode but you know it takes tywin uh and and, and others you know coming down and uh, it's just it's crazy when when, when you think about it. it's such an emotional uh kind of ride here yeah. at the end
1: yeah, I mean the chain is something because Davo. As soon as Davo sees the chain, he's like, "Uh-oh, I know exact like I know exactly what this is. Like this is that's something that's somewhat predictable. The wildfire is something that I think is totally not predictable. I don't think I think that's that's such a clever move by Tyrion that I don't think that's anything anyone yeah. would have
0: expected. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, he even says too. Th- there's almost like this lulling. Uh, of them into the bay because they're at first throwing like regular fire they're getting hit you'll throw some tar some tar some fire feather them with a bunch of arrows and you're trying to make that defense and i think somebody said like they might throw a jar or two of wildfire at us but like it wasn't something that they were concerned about not something that they're planning for that they're thinking about whatsoever and if anything like like davos his original thought was the chain is going to be there to block us from entering You know, it's going to, it's going to slow our progress towards King's Landing versus no, let us in and then trap us. You know what I mean? That, that his thought was, okay, that's it. It's odd. They didn't raise the chain and then they get past it. And he's just like that, this, there's something up. He's starting to sniff a trap right then and there. And then, like you said, the wildfire is, is it's crazy. You're going to send a ship of that out there among your other ships. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. And it works because they're desperate they're super desperate
1: yeah well it almost works I should we'll, s- we'll say that but we'll we'll say we'll, yeah. s- well I guess well it, this is probably an okay time to sort of transition into into our raven because that's kind of where the, I think the discussion is ultimately yeah. gonna go here as so I, I I typed up just sort of a sort of it' th- thoughts myself here um and it's gonna go to and I guess we can kind of leave it specifically with this with even with this chapter here are the lannisters as smart as we think they are um, I said, and so just kind of maybe playing some devil's advocate here too, just just to sort of just to sort of raise raise some questions here. Uh, I said, you know, we often look at Tywin and think he's so smart, he's so cunning, but King's Landing probably would have fell if Cersei had been in charge instead of Tyrion. And even after using the wildfire, um, if if Tywin, you know, Tywin is forced to give up his position in the Riverlands against Rob to ride south in order to go back and protect King's Landing. Um, does Tywin actually think Tyrion is smart enough to figure out how to stop everyone? Was Tywin, you know, sort of planning on Tyrion being the one to come up with this wildfire idea and save everything? Uh, wouldn't it have been wiser to try and make a temporary truce or just flat out treaty with Rob? Um, if it's not for Theon Greyjoy, you know, causing Rob to have to split his forces a little bit and giving the Boltons a plan to... Um, sort of overthrow them would they at all would rob at all be in a position to lose right tywin can't have known at this point that rob had sort of betrayed the the phrase because it hadn't happened yet right rob Mm -hmm. has at this point hasn't betrayed the phrase so Mm -hmm. even then um you know instead if Tyrion doesn't use the wildfire even when tywin shows up could it have been too late so if Tyrion doesn't create that wildfire would it have been too late would stannis still just taken over said so It often seems times and time again that the Lannisters might even be more lucky than smart Cersei has multiple people figure out about her secret with Jamie. Tywin's death comes because he drastically underestimates Tyrion and even Tyrion has back and forth moments of greatness and blunder and then you have Jamie who's somewhere in the middle he's never really seemed to do anything super sort of intelligent, like he's a master, a master tactician, but I guess he's also never sort of billed as one. So do we overstate how tactful sometimes the Lannisons actually are?
0: Uh I think it's I think it's interesting. I think it's a really a really interesting point because um I think the only thing I would say is I think and I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong with this, but I think when he sends Tyrion, I think Tywin is, yeah, he's kind of hoping that he's going to keep an eye on things and, and help out. I don't think he thinks King's Landing is in as much peril as they are, but they were in pretty significant peril even before Renly and and Stannis. You know, they're, you know, they're kind of going Split. back and forth, right? Like, right. yeah, they've, they've got their issues. But I, Tywin has to be thinking, Renly has a massive host with the Tyrells who are partying and having their own good time, slowly marching towards King's Landing and gathering this, you know... And he sends Tyrion down to kind of help prepare for that, and then we know Stannis shows up, and just I mean, all R'hllor breaks out, right? I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Melisandre's birth and shadow babies and stuff's just wild. So you couldn't have predicted that, but he does he does send Tyrion down there, and it's like, I don't think he, I think he was spread too thin. I actually think he was in a moment where he was a little bit desperate, and he does have to try to. Get the likes of Roose Bolton and others to... I mean, that's later. That's later. But, I mean, he, he's like... like He has a little spread too thin. He's actually cut off from Casterly Rock. His supply lines are taken out by Rob for a second. Like, he's got to march back there. He's harried by uh, the Riverlands and, and Hoster Tully. Um, even though he does outmatch... I mean, that whole Hoster Tully situation is a bit of a blunder because Hoster Tully doesn't know Rob's plans because Rob doesn't share them. So, they're all making mistakes. But Tywin does seem like he is... Um, lucky he's a a lucky lion in this in this situation like he maybe (laughs) you know wasn't wasn't as uh he still is crafty but he's just on his own and i think the lannisters have this reputation where they go it alone sort of you know like they don't really have really really strong relationships with other uh areas or other regions like and maybe it was like that prior to Robert's Rebellion, because you think of the Starks, and then you think of the Riverlands, and and, and Hoster Tully. Well, we talked about this, like the Trinity at Hall and, and the Great Northern Alliance, and all that kind of stuff, where the the Northern kind of region started to uh, like ally themselves quite a bit, ironically, when Tywin was the Hand of the King, and just running the show, right, under the Mad King, under Ares. So he had his moments where he was he was great. He was doing all this all this awesome stuff. But once he's out of good standing with the with the Targaryens and he goes back to Casterly Rock, he it doesn't feel like they have a whole lot of friends. Um, later on, we find out from Dorne that Tywin kind of uh, he, he he definitely messes up all the relationships that he could have had with Dorne. Right, like he could have had better relationships with them. But it's when the Red Viper shows up with, with Elia and whatever kind of pact the two, the two wives or mothers had made, no way. It's off. Like his daughter's going to be married to Rhaegar sort of thing. Well, then it's Elia, you know. Um, so I don't know, man. I think you're you on to something in that maybe they are a, a bit luckier than we think. C- uh, Cersei's making all sorts of mistakes. Tyrion makes a ton of mistakes. Uh, they come out on top, but is it not because of other circumstances. And we do start to see now where we're at uh, in the, in the series at, at the end of dance and the in, at the end of feast too, we're seeing them unravel and we're seeing that they're, that they're losing it. And it's all starting to kind of come apart. And you're right about Jamie. Here's something you want to look at the Lannisters. Jamie Lannister goes to write in that white book and he looks at his life and he says, what have I done? You know, what are my yeah. great deeds? Really? And, and you're like, ah, uh, I mean, I, I, I did save King's Landing, but from the Mad King, but even that has been turned against him. And so he starts to say, I need to have a great, like, well He didn't say this. We say this as the reader, this great return to him being a hero, him being Sir Arthur Dane and redeeming his name and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, lots of different blunders. They have their shortcomings, the Lannisters. I mean, all the characters do, all the houses do, but I think we always push the Lannisters as right. super smart, super the best players of the game. And maybe they're not.
1: Yeah, I mean, he definitely, I mean, he definitely, he's definitely quick to take, to seize opportunity when it happens. I mean, I think they all are, which that in itself is, you know, you're not going to win every single scenario. I mean, showing up at the end of the rebellion, I guess, man, and and that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a gamble to play because what happens, what happens if Robert loses?
0: Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And the Mad King is alive. I think I think he's going to be like you. You didn't come to my aid.
0: Yeah, he might have. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's like that's why yeah. he that's why he was timing that up. I think he was trying to read everything, and he is cautious because he doesn't quite know where to go. He wants to play the game, let everything kind of play out in front of him, right, and then make his move, which is dangerous and is not always. Um, it's not always the boldest thing to do. It might be clever and smart at the time, but the other houses were making really good alliances, and they're almost playing too much of a like a like a risky game. And I don't know. It it, it seems like they're they're. Well, I almost yeah, I almost went with the Lord of the Rings quote, like on the edge of a knife. You know, and if they stray but uh, yeah. a little, you know, like everything's in peril, and, and they have to walk this fine line. Otherwise, even though they have all this money and all this wealth and all this influence. And people do kind of fear them like they are a, a revered and feared house but if the other houses unite against them i mean that's you know that easily yeah. this i this mean if St- St- i way. mean look if stannis if stannis doesn't
1: kill renly and and stannis and renly decide to team up or stannis just lets Ren, if stannis stands back and renly does it i think renly might take king's landing because at that point tywin mm-hmm. would still just be fighting rob and he and and that he would have a hard you would have a hard you t- would have a hard time you would have a hard time getting down there especially without Jamie right um but then you know they, they so they catch a break there that Renly and Stannis go at it and Stannis kills and Stannis kills Renly then um you know they catch a break that Rob lets Theon go and Theon goes and takes Winterfell and so now that's okay that's going to split us up You know sort of a little bit and then obviously they catch the biggest of breaks when rob decides to marry jane westerling uh and then it throws the phrase off and then the boltons decide hey we're gonna the boltons have got their own plan too because if rob doesn't let theon go then the all of the stuff with the boltons might not even happen with reek and ramsey and all the stuff might not even oh yeah might, might not even happen whatsoever yeah so um then it might just be you versus the phrase and. You know, I mean, a big part of that is Roose Bolton is the one there stabbing people. So, yeah, you know, uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, you know we'll, we'll we'll see. So,
0: yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is. Um, it, it definitely could have gone. It does almost seem that's what that's what's so ironic about the whole book. Right. When you look at the whole the whole setup, this this uh, War of the Five Kings or whatever you have. It looks like the Lannisters should be defeated and you're and we're also kind of rooting for for the other side but yet Tyrion's in the midst of all this and we're realizing Tyrion's not so bad Sansa's stuck in king's landing and it looks like the lannisters should be beat but at every turn uh the starks uh house baratheon like they're making mistakes big mistakes the veil vale stays out of the whole damn thing which is the smartest thing that they could have done um so they're good but, that's, I mean, that still right there could, could cause some bitterness between House Tully, depending. If, if other, you know, the Starks come out on top and House Tully comes out on top or whatever, then, yeah, like, what's going on with you guys? Why, why did the Vale not not step in and and, uh, and help in some way? But, uh, yeah, so was he lucky? I mean, is, is Tywin just a bit more lucky with the timing of these things than anything else? Because the other big factor is the Tyrells. Like, when Littlefinger goes to get the Tyrells, Without them, it's you remember how clo- I mean it's 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 hinted at that it's it's a close battle with Stannis uh still moving in on King's Landing and it is the Tyrell force that without them, you know, if they're still stuck up with Renly, like you said, yeah. or Littlefinger doesn't negotiate that and they just sit out on this, then the Lannisters really are spread too thin. It's much more bloody, it's much more contentious. Um <clears throat> I mean Stannis might even have gone back and regrouped and double his efforts because he's like all right, we we've we've weakened and bloodied the Lannisters, but once you have the house Tyrell roll in there and, and back them right. full on. I mean I now now we're outmatched. So Yeah. Just it's interesting. Crazy.
1: Just something I just thought I'd point it out as just something kind of just that to think about.
0: Yeah, no, I like it. I think it's I think it's really cool. Um and so since you brought that one up. I don't, are, are you cool if I bring up, um, I just want to bring up a couple categories. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and I'll see if these, these are just things that we talked about in our zoom chat and I'm just going to hit them briefly and we're going to make full videos and full content out of these things. But I found these things to be interesting. And one of them has to do with the Lannisters and it has to do with Tyrion and someone said something. I think it was Jimmy, right? Was it Jimmy? Sir, Sir, Jimmy who said Mm -hmm. to me, um, he said, well, guys, Tyrion's a villain. And it just never hit me that way. Like, it never hit me that Tyrion is a villain and that George is writing him that way. And I sometimes forget that Tyrion is a villain and will ultimately be kind of... I mean, at the end of this, if you look at... uh, People are going to jump all over me right now when I say, look at the show. But uh, he's... I mean, the show doesn't really make him out to be a villain but at the end he's he's you know he's in chains he's he's thrown away and he's he's whatever um and then he has to come back through you know brand and all that kind of stuff being king and the greatest story ever told but where he's at in the books right now he is doing some pretty shady stuff he's doing some pretty awful stuff uh to women and to penny and uh, he's just going down a path that is evil and it's such a weird thing. We always talk about Jamie starting off. So let's just keep this on the Lannisters while we're at it. How about that? Because I think there's plenty enough here yeah, to talk yeah. with the Lannisters. We always talk about Jamie being a character who starts off. We hate him. The things you do for love pushes a boy out the window. And we are now later on like rooting for this guy. Uh, and we're, we're hoping. I mean, Jamie does a terrible thing to Tyrion, right? He's, he's, he's a part uh, of Tysha and, and, and all, of, all the stuff that happens with, with her. Being essentially uh, set up for uh, assault and rape or whatever—I mean, like you know—that that's that's like that's wild. So he's a part of all of that. He's not—he's not—he's not the best of guys. He wants to be, and then he goes through some major loss. He loses his hand, and then he starts to kind of come back. He's working in the White Book, saying, "I want to be better. I, I want to be more." Um, he's starting to disagree with his sister, separating from his sister a little bit, and that's Jamie's arc. But like, look at Tyrion's arc. Tyrion starts off as someone who, he is a friend to Jon Snow, and we're starting to see how he interacts, like the interactions with his father. When we see the way his father treats him, we don't like that. The way his sister treats him is awful. It's terrible. Tyrion is treated horribly. And so we super sympathize with Tyrion, so much so that I think George sometimes wants us to sympathize, and he's going to challenge us as readers to say, sympathize with this guy. Look at what his, how terrible his life is. Now watch him go through once he leaves King's Landing and he goes with Varys and he's traveling, right? He's with young Griff and he goes in and it's pointed out that he uh, eventually rapes a girl, right? in Valentus and is super ashamed of it, regretful and things like that. But like, he's a villain. And it was just like, I, this is why I say those Zoom chats can be yeah. so productive in like terms of us thinking about the series. And we, we, it's such a big, thick uh series that you miss things sometimes and i'm like yeah straight up he is on a like he's not on some awesome cool redemption like redemption arc or whatever Tyrion's trending down and Tyrion is is starting to become uh yeah like not a good guy going down a dark path yeah yeah real dark real dark i mean i so it's like we were i was what was fun is we were thinking about him in winds of winter and we were thinking about where does Tyrion go and what does Tyrion do? Like, is this just a, uh, a a a moment of I don't know, is this just a really bad patch? I mean really bad patch for him, where in which he's doing some really bad, awful yeah. things and treating people awfully. Like it starts actually with Jamie when he doesn't tell Jamie the truth. To hurt Jamie, he says, I did kill your son. I did kill Joffrey. He didn't kill him. We know he didn't kill him. Like like, like we 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 get that. But when he says it, it's to hurt someone else because he's been hurt. And that's what he does. He continues to hurt people yeah. as he goes along. And George is saying, yeah. "Post, yeah, post, post killing Tywin, he does seem to go down
1: downhill a bit."
0: Yeah, and, and so as you talk about like the Lannisters as a whole, you, you throw Tyrion in that mix, and he's not helping in, in, in any of their cause. Cersei, uh, as much as she loves her children and things, she's awful. She does awful things to Sansa, but yet then tries to help her explain all of this stuff. It's just a really um. I don't know. There's, it's hard to find characters where you can wholeheartedly uh, root for them. Like, George, he, he literally challenges you to say, I know you like this person, but this person is human, and they're going to make mistakes, and they're going to do really awful, bad, terrible things. And then we're going to watch them go through that, and can yeah, they come think, back, and it's up and down.
1: Yeah, I think there's, there's probably a couple, you know, but none of them are certainly Davos. sort of. <laughs> Davos, Davos and Sam. Our characters who you can you know you can pretty yeah. much find yourself rooting for time and time again yeah, or some characters start out as like bad and they sort of shift to good and so you're like oh okay you know like like Jamie right I think is somebody that's oh it's easier to root for him right because he seems to start out bad and then sort of make the shift good as a sometimes people start out good and then go bad and then come you know they so I think yeah. I think I think the characters who reverse are the characters who you end up it, it becomes easier to root for.
0: Yeah, it's it's just interesting. There's so it's such a, a diverse group of characters. There's so many. Um, that the main ones that we see go through these major ups and downs and, and shifts. But you have like, for example, Catelyn Stark. I mean, then you throw in the the element of magic and Lady Stoneheart and grief and sorrow and all those things. But like just the emotions that, that George takes you through with these characters, it's kind of it's kind of unreal because I like Catelyn, and I like House Tully, and I, I I thought it was cool that she was saying when I was first reading. You know, keep your direwolves close. I'm like, why is no one listening to her? Uh, she she's on to this, and then she becomes Lady Stoneheart, and I just think to myself, what in the what a twist! What a crazy twist for a character to become that person who has a heart of stone and is such a big X factor in the series that I'm like, George, this is why y- you are writing one of the most twisted, crazy awesome epic fantasies I've ever read and I don't know where it's all how it's all going to be woven together I don't think he does either right now exactly but (laughs) it's just wild yeah
1: no it's interesting it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how how this all unfolds and everything if slash when we ever get wins
0: of winter as we need we just need it George come on (sighs) uh <sighs> man, it will, it will happen. Well, uh, you know, and, and actually I think what they've done, and here's what I think HBO has done. They basically said, Hey, we know the reality on this is you're not getting winds of winter. So let's give you guys house of the dragon. Let's give you all this other good stuff, these other series, and we'll be fine. George, you know, we, we'll get it when we get it. You know, we're going to get one more book out of George. I think, I think it's winds of winter. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yes. Hey, speak, speaking of which, guys, if you think that there's character dynamics between the Lannisters and the Starks and everything, just wait until we get to see Damon Targaryen and Raina <laughs> Rhaenyra Targaryen. Oh, my God. It's, like, it's going to be it's going to be like Game of Thrones on steroids.
0: Yeah, it really is. Like Like you talk about characters that do really bad things, but yet is like supposed to be the star of the show. And we're rooting for this guy. I mean, depending on what what all they want to depict from the books and things, he's awful, you know. Yeah. And he's also and this in like, House of the, Dragon, yeah. the
1: the war that's the war that's coming in House of the Dragon is also. I mean, it's just brutal, blood and cheese. Yeah, I mean that like God, that itself is like is about as brutal as you can get. Or, hey, which son do you want killed?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And they kill the opposite one. Yep. And yep. then yeah,
0: it's bad. It's bad, but it's got like it's got all those things for a, a crazy like shock factor where you're like, "What?" I mean, that's what HBO is going for. That's what that's what Game of Thrones is. I mean, episode like whatever was it episode 1 or 2, I can't remember. whatever, where Bran is pushed out the window? It's like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You just can't push a kid out the window. HBO says, "Yes, we can push a kid out the window. And then yeah. later on, we're going to make you like that character." Seriously? It's yeah. crazy, man. Yeah. But anyway, it's exciting. Oh,
1: absolutely. It is crazy. Awesome. All right, guys. Hey, with that, um guys, as an ergonomic, we're taking a quick little siesta here, taking a taking a midsummer break. So so shout out to everybody who's been listening for however long we've been doing this, two to three years. Yeah. Uh get yourself guys, get yourself some summer vacations in. Take some yeah. time. Rest up. Yep. You know.
0: Yep. Pick up the fork. Put down the sword, pick up the fork, get you some good food. That's what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna yeah. go chow down, uh, and and yeah just, yeah, just enjoy yourselves. I mean, that's the thing. I, we're we're really excited because we're gonna take a break for a little bit. Uh, like we said, a couple of weeks, and then we're gonna come back, and we've got a bunch of. I only listed kind of one of our of our ideas there, um, but we've got so many other cool ideas that Matt and I have talked about, that our bannermen are generating, and we're excited to keep providing content to you guys you know, here on bend the knee also over on hyperspace hangout for star Wars content. So if you want some of that, that's, that's over there on, on uh, hyperspace hangout, um, heroes of the horn. We'll be back with that later in, in July, uh, plowing through. We're in book five of the wheel of time series, which by the way is a huge accomplishment. Okay. I also want, po- I yeah. want folks. These books are not tiny. Okay. I'll hold up one right here. Just anybody's <laughs> watching the video version. Like these books are huge. Um, so are the game of Thrones books. So like Matt and I, I always think it's kind of funny when we, when we get into uh, some of this, we don't just focus on one massive series. Like our minds are all yeah. over the freaking place. And over it's just, it's crazy. This is awesome. But yeah. So cool, fun stuff yeah. coming up in the future. Awesome.
1: Absolutely, guys. Hey, so with that, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing chapter 60, Tyrion 13 of A Clash of Kings.
0: Absolutely. If you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com.
1: We will see you in a fortnight, and remember that winter is coming.